Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word.
left hungry. Sing this song. songs when there is evidence but that's not faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen now faith not tomorrow now faith not next week now faith not when it happens I think you're waiting for a manifestation to believe that is merciful that is gracious that is providing but that God that gets the dead to the living and calls the things that are not as though they are has told me to sing songs like that. Hore When I sing it, I feel like it's working in my spirit. Praise your mercy for me. Somebody tell him, great is your mercy. 
Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're here, you have somebody at home you left in that, and they're very sick. Put up your hand. Very, very sick. Not just frukov. Very, very sick. Very, very, very sick. I felt the Spirit of God tell me that we are going to join faith and send healing now. There's also somebody with a pain in your left leg, the toe, your toe, one of your toes is paining. Come and I lay hands on you. Now, I want us to send healing right now home to the sick who are home. Come on, somebody, release. 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 Release healing. There's somebody whose life right now stands on your prayer. Somebody whose life right now is at stake and your prayer is going to make them whole. Come on. I see a woman with heart disease. Your prayer is healing somebody right now. right now right now right now right now in Jesus mighty name thank you Lord thank you Lord what's wrong your toe yeah it's left eh? yeah the toe in fact I've been feeling the pain too that's why I called you the Bible says he bore our infirmities I was literally feeling pain in my yeah you too? Is it in your left? Huh? I don't know who of you brought me trouble. But pain immediately just came through my foot and I knew there's somebody with a pain in their left foot. Alright, somebody send. Just stretch your hands toward them. Right now in the name of Jesus. is a wound. Father, in the name of Jesus, we command that wound to heal. 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 In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You know, sometimes I noticed you can carry pain, which is not yours. <laughs> you understand? That's what the Bible says, he bear our infirmities. 
So when I'm in meetings, sometimes I'm a bit sensitive. Sometimes I hear God, sometimes I see in the spirit, but sometimes the pain comes and God tells me there's somebody with that pain. Praise God. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Today I'm going to share a very hard subject, but very simple. Hallelujah. The paradox of simply hard things or I don't know. Professor Nixon, why are you laughing? Simply hard things. They are simply hard things or hard things that are simple. Praise God. It's, it's going to be simple but hard in the sense that it, could, it, it seems like you will have a clue about it but you might not have a clue about it until you understand. So probably I believe you might not predict where I'm going but be open-minded. By the time we're done, I know your life will be um, elevated to another level. Say amen. amen. Praise God. Somebody say I'm listening to the word of God. And it's working in my life. It's working in my life. Say it. Say it's working in my life. Thank you Lord Jesus. Alright, let's open Matthew 12. Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went on, went on the Sabbath day through the corn. Somebody say, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. Speak it faster. Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. Let's continue. And his disciples were unhungered, right? Unhungered. <laughs> or hungry. And began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. These were who the disciples. The Bible says, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was hungered, and they, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the show bread which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days, plural, Sabbath days, plural, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless. Haven't you heard that? And the Bible says, but I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. Are you with me? If you have known what this meant, or if you had known what this meant or meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the son of man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. If they had known that obedience was better than sacrifice, they would not have blamed the guiltless. Praise God. And I realize one thing, that sometimes the spirit of religion is the spirit that seeks to blame the guiltless. Hard but simple message. Are you with me? Read the message. Message Bible. Let's begin from uh, verses 3. He said, really, didn't you ever read what David and his companions did when they were hungry? How they entered the sanctuary and ate fresh bread off the altar, bread that no one but priests were allowed to eat? And didn't you read in God's law that the priests carrying out temple duties broke Sabbath rules all the time? And what? And it's not held against them. There is far more at stake here than religion. If you had any idea what this scripture meant, I prefer a flexible heart to an inflexible ritual. 
you would be nitpicking like this. You wouldn't be nitpicking like this. For the Son of Man is no lucky to the Sabbath. He's in charge. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor the Son of God is in charge of the Sabbath. He's Lord also on Sabbath. Hallelujah. And while I was reading that, the Spirit of God said to minister to me, how easy it is by religion and observance of rituals, how we condemn the guiltless, how we put condemnation on men who are not guilty. The disciples of Jesus wake up in the morning and they, they are hungry. They go through corn. By law, it is not allowed for you to thresh corn on that day. You understand? And they do. The Pharisees and law people are looking at them and saying, look, your disciples. They blame them. You understand? And he says, didn't you read? Have you not read? You understand? And the truth of the matter is they have not really read. They have not really read. You see, some people think that because they are with the Bible, they think they are reading. You understand? Because they read their Bible and go so old, they think they are reading. Or because they think they've gone in seminary or theological school or a conference, they think they are reading the Word of God. Or because they are switching on a service somewhere on television or radio, they think that they are reading. You understand? They think they read the Word. So Jesus tells them, have you not read? Meaning, they were doctors. They were teachers of the law. They appeared to be reading, but they were not reading. You understand? It's possible to appear to be reading the word when you're not really reading the word. It's possible to appear to be praying when you're not really praying. It's possible to appear to be worshipping when you're not really worshipping. It's possible to appear to be believing when you're not really believing. It's possible to be ministering when you're not really ministering. It's possible to be fathering yet you're not really fathering. It's possible to be mothering and you're not really mothering. It's possible to be a child you're not really a child. It's possible to be what you're not. And that is why Jesus draws the line here. And he says, look, the checker is simple. If you had read, you would have known the meaning of these things. That means that no man who reads the Bible and claims to, 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 to have read it if he has not had understanding of what he reads. You understand? And some people, they just go through the scriptures and pages and read. And they just read. And they say, I read the Bible in one year from page to page. Then you ask them, what is in Genesis chapter 3? And they don't know. But they read the Bible from one page to another. And they even boast about it. One time I had a preacher say, I have read the Bible 49 times. I thought that is supposed to be glorious. Listen, God is not looking for men who have read the Bible 49 times. Come on, those are rituals. God is looking for people who are understanding everything they read. That's important to God. It's not how many books you've read. No. It's about how you understand the God you relate with. The challenge now is that it's not only in the individual Christian who sits every day reading their book. No. It's even us who minister. Today the scriptures and sermons are few. We articulate discourse every Sunday to people without scriptures therein. Human ideas. And this is a constant in many places in the church today. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody just reads one scripture and Jesus went to Capernaum. You have to go somewhere. Tell your neighbor you have to go somewhere. 
I said you have to go somewhere. I said you have to go somewhere. You might be here. Do you understand? You, and and, and you're, you're tired of renting. You have to go somewhere. In the name of Jesus. You're tired of that job. You have to go somewhere. In the name of... Yeah. And then people, they, they get plastic chairs. And then they scream. They even get slain. Boah! By the power of the Holy Then ushers pick us up. You understand? The word is scarce. That does in China. Bishop knows the place. These people, every time, they just want you to prophesy in their life. That's all they want. What is God saying? And you tell them, but you have the sure word of prophecy. You have the sure word of prophecy. He says, it shines like a light in darkness until the day brown. And the day star arises in your heart. Right reason of the word. The day star arises in your heart. That is Jesus. He starts to shine out of you. But every time they prophesy with my life, what is God saying? Then they get telephones and then they start to record you. They, even if you don't feel it, they want to make you feel. They want to, see, God is like a witch doctor. Because when you went to a shrine, you go in with, I have a problem, I need a solution, period. This is eternal life. That they might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Not just receive prophecy, not just receive deliverance, not just receive healing, not just receive a job, not just get a car, no. But that they might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Those days where men just come in the presence of God because they are hungry to know. They're just hungry to know. They're just hungry to know. They're just hungry to know. Are you hearing me? It breaks my heart when somebody tells you, you, they come and then they say, oh, I just came to be prayed for. I've been sick. That's why I came. You understand? And then you pray for them. You, and, and that's it. They, they were just sick. They wanted healing. That's it. That's it. That's all they needed. Healing. What is God saying? That's it. You understand? I was reading a story of one gentleman called Spurgeon. How many of you know Spurgeon? Yeah, one of the oldest writers. I love him because he was too stable. Spurgeon was narrating the olden times of the Puritans. Some of you have heard of the Puritans. Oh, they used to call them Puritan diviners. That time period of the Puritans. And he said that there's one thing that was distinctive with the, the times of the Puritans. It was that they filled themselves so much with the word of God. That in a discourse or in a sermon, every statement they made was casting a light on a particular scripture. They didn't know how to speak outside the word. They make a statement and you say, no, this is somewhere in the word. I have read it somewhere. Every statement they were making, every word they were making, someone was casting a light. You understand? And while in the middle of these discourses, they start to bring out different truths and these truths start to blend lights. You understand? Because they, 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 they get into a man's spirit and, and create perception from different perspectives and angles of knowledge. And before you know that, you come out of service like you're from eating a buffet. You understand? You were what? You understand? The colors were full. The gospel was not in black. It wasn't in white. It wasn't in gray. It was in full color. And that is why you realize that revivals in the first and great awakening, they reproduced results. I'm talking of great awakenings. I'm not talking about just reviving one nation. I'm talking about revivals that swept through continents. 
These were men that filled themselves with the word. That is the essence of that word in the book of Colossians. That's what it says. That that word works in you by its own inherent power. He says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. The leaning of your entire human personality on him in absolute trust and confidence in his power. Wisdom and goodness. And of the love which you have and show for all the saints, God's consecrated ones. Because, listen, of the hope of the experience of what is laid out, reserved and waiting for you in heaven. Of this hope you had in past in the message of the truth of the gospel. Which has come to you. Indeed, in the whole world, that gospel is bearing fruit. The gospel, not people, the gospel, not the people, the gospel is bearing fruit and still is growing, present continuous, by its own inherent power, even as it has done among yourselves ever since the day you first heard and came to know and understand the grace of God in truth. You came to know, listen, the grace of God or undeserved favor of God in reality, deeply and clearly and thoroughly. Listen, comma, becoming accurately and intimately acquainted with him. Because when you get to know the word, you become accurately and intimately acquainted with him. You get to know God. Don't think you just come to hear the word. Some people say, ah, me, let me listen to the word. I'm waiting for the part where they pray for the sick. I'm waiting for the part where they'll prophesy. I'm waiting for the part where they'll say a word. You understand? And that's the part they're waiting for. And the word is flowing through the, the whole service and they don't understand that these words, they are spirit and their life. It's the sure word of prophecy. That even if I don't say it upon your life, it doesn't matter. The word says it. Are you hearing me? You might go in a meeting and a prophet doesn't see you there. You might go in a healing meeting and then they lay hands on everyone but they don't lay hands on you. But it should suffice that you have the word of God. It's in your spirit. Every word that is sent, you can simply receive it by the working power of the Holy Spirit. But you see, no, we want that part where the power of God moves. Therefore, men of God become like our, we become dependent on them. If Apostle Grace is not there, the sick person won't heal. If Prophet so-and-so doesn't come, God is not going to move. If evangelist person doesn't come like this, the power of God is not going to be great. If the preacher evangelist this doesn't come, this is not going to happen. So what happens? We become like gods to men. You understand? We become like God actually to men. You understand? They have to depend on you for answers. They have to depend on you for, 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 for breakthrough. If you're not there, it doesn't work. Why don't you get the word in your spirit? Let it sit in you. Let it start to produce results. When you're at home and your baby becomes funny, you tell her, psych up, darling. Don't play with an anointed man. So when you're testifying, you testify of what the word of God is doing in your spirit. That's the essence of the word. When it enters your spirit, the Bible says it works in you by its own inherent power. The word doesn't want you to help it. In fact, God has not called us to do the word. He has called us to yield to the word to do us. He hasn't called us to do the word. No. He has called us to yield to the word to do us. Because it works. It works. God is the word. And God works in you. The Bible says, both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. That's the essence of success. That's the essence of testimony. In Ephesus, the Bible says, the word mightily grew. What happened? They prevailed. We want to get to a point where somebody sits at home. They listen to the word. It hits them and then they sort issue without anybody's help. You come out of the closet when you've fixed everything. And they ask you why. Because the word. Every time you're seated in the presence of God, you're not wasting time, no. You're allowing what can work in you by its own inherent power. That is why we tell Christians to read the Bible. That is why we tell Christians to listen to sermons. Buy CDs. There are 3,000. We don't earn of it CDs. Yet I, I have the right to. It's my message. But I don't. 
such that we make it so simple for everyone to access. The best things are free. You understand? Freely given. You see? Buy something. Listen to it. Go at home. Switch it on. Put it in your car. Fill yourself with the word. Fill it. Fill yourself with the word. Why? Because out of the abundance of that heart, the mouth will start to speak. You're a result of what's inside you. Total sum. That's why men faint when situations come. The Bible says if you faint in your day of adversity, your strength is small. But the Bible says that the Lord is your strength. The message version says if you fall in pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. The doctor tells him, you have cancer. Ooh, ooh. We are sad to tell you, you failed. Then they faint. Bwah. There was nothing to you. You were screaming, but you were scaring us. You know, Christians have learned to scream. And, I mean, you can find a guy, Makaya, Makaya, and you say, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I think this guy, angels are surrounding him. Apostle Paul is advising him. James and Moses are talking to him. The ravens are going to feed him at lunch in the evening. He's going to find Shunammite all over. Then something small happens. And the person tells you, I left church. Why? Ah, there were too many situations. There was nothing to you in the first place. We don't leave the presence of God. Where do you run? He says we don't draw back to perdition. We are not of them. It's a nature. It's a nature. We are not of them that draw back to perdition. No. No, 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 no. Praise God. We are not, we are not the kind of people who draw back to perdition. There is a people who do. For us, we are not the kind which draw back to perdition. No. The Bible says we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Are you hearing me? Things might not work today, but I don't lose appetite and sleep over it. Even tomorrow, I do it. We used to go to, to hospitals, and then you find a person who is about to die. Then you pray for them, and then they die. Then the relatives look at you like you came with this. But I learned one thing long ago. When it doesn't work, I do it again. And I do it again. And I do it again. I've raised three so far now. Three now. And I'm still counting. Why? Because for us, we don't draw back. You don't give up. You don't give in. You don't. You refuse. Even when you, you have the last breath, you say, no way. That's how we are. We don't draw back. That's why we're dangerous. That's why we're dangerous. Because our spirits can't drop. They can't. How can people look at me giving up? Imagine tomorrow I wake up and I say, now I've gone through too much. I've given up on God. Apostle Grace Rubega. Put your name. Tell your neighbor we are not of them. Which drop back to perdition. Hallelujah. So I realized when I read about the stories of men of old. And I realized this was a difference. They filled themselves with the word. And they started to preach and minister from that relationship. Today the word is cast. Someone's a man. You understand? Someone's a man. What we hear today in churches is not preaching Christ. No. It is advising people how to live life. 
Someone spends a whole hour telling you, you have to learn to base. You know it is good to base. You understand? You have to learn, forgive your brother. You have to work hard. You understand? All of those things are important. Are you hearing me? They are important. But there is something way deeper than religion. It is the life which is in the word of God. Are you hearing me? Someone preaches for two hours and they mention one scripture. One. And then you ask yourself why the church is malnourished. We're not fed. We're not fed. We're not fed with what has inherent power. You see, let me tell you something. There are two, two things written of in the scriptures by which men err, or the reason why we err. The Bible is very clear. That men err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power. Those are the only two reasons why men err. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto them, you err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Never forget that. Many of the errors that we have in the faith are swinging on that pendulum. Either a man doesn't know the word, or he doesn't know how powerful God is. A man either doesn't know the word. You see all these debates we are having in the church. Either men don't know the word or they do not know how powerful God is. That is the debates we are having in the church. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Generational curses. Don't even get me started. Generational curses. No, you think. How powerful is God? is God. The Bible says that that light which is the word it shines in darkness and darkness comprehendeth him not. Hey, do you know the meaning? It means that darkness can't hold light. The Bible says you're the light of the world. How can darkness hold you? the light of the world. You are a city that is certain. Why did he call you the light? Because he knows where light is. Can, can darkness hold light? Can you switch on this light? And darkness refuses it to light? Oh, for us in our family, we don't get married. Which family are you talking about? I thought you were talking about Paul, Peter. Which family? Musisi? Musisi is the name of a demon god. You understand? Mukasa, all of those are demon gods. Which family? Which family? Are you hearing me? The Bible says that when you became born again, you became a new creature in Christ. Oh, and he said the old is past and now the new. Behold, the old is past. Old, old stuff are past. And now all things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. And he says, and all things are of God. There is no devil. Don't get me wrong. We have an anointing that casts out devils. You've seen it every time. You've seen demons coming out of people. You understand? But that's only to ignorant people. We want to teach the church to a place where they can come out so that you're also free. Eh, Christians, you, they are never free. Every time, there has to be something. There has to be something. Somebody is fasting 40 days to know which demon refused that to get married. Come on. This is eternal life. That you might know the one true God and it's only son Jesus. We err because we don't understand the power. 
I had a Christian one time who was saying that God revealed to him that there's another Christian who was, who was dedicated to the devil. I said, Christian, light was dedicated to darkness. Do you understand? Can light be comprehended by darkness? Do you know what light is? Do you know what it means to be born of that incorruptible seed? Do you know what it means to be incorruptible? Do you know when the Bible says greater is he who is in you, or do you then you lose sleep. Greater is he which is in you. Then you lose appetite. Greater is he which is in you. Greater is he which is in you than the devil in the world. And then you lose peace. Over witchcraft. You pray. They are bewitching us. I promise you I can't waste minutes over witchcraft. Unless I'm praying for somebody else but not me. I can't sit there. Even the angels. Even I mean those are things I can, I can do and then Apostle Paul taps Peter and says oh look at what Apostle Grace has done. syndicate. Let them send. If somebody tells you I'm going to bewitch you, you tell them which part of mine do you want? Do you want hair? Do you want nails? I want to make it easier for you. Because I know who I am in him. In him I live, I move. Paul did enter Ephesus with intercessors. Let us go and then do a spiritual you know how many demons? No, he says in Ephesus the word grew. The guy just preached on Baal pulpits. On Diana pulpits. And immediately the whole city was changed. Man, do you know how powerful the word of God is? We err not knowing the power of God. God is too powerful for you to worry about it. Oh, it's even offensive that you can lose peace because you think your mother bewitched you. Oh, cousin, let them bewitch me, I told people, you know my address. You know where we live. Send them to us. You understand? Apostle Bishop understand? It's very simple. We want to carry, let them send to us. Let me tell you, if, if which doctors were strong as they claim, many of us would be dead. Do you know how many shrines we've burnt? Do you know how many demons are roaming in the air but they can't touch us? They are somewhere, but they can't touch us. Because when they look at you, they see lights. Oh! Let me tell you. If a demon kills you, you killed yourself. Don't blame anybody. You killed yourself. Don't blame anybody. How? So he said we err because we don't know the power of God and the scriptures. Everything in the church today where Christians err is either because they don't know how powerful God is or they don't understand the scriptures. It's the ministry of the truth to set you free. Not your spiritual father. Not apostle grace. No. He says you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. That is the truth. That is the truth. Know the truth. You will see. It's his responsibility to set you free. That's the essence of the word of God. Now, we err in the power, but we also err in the scriptures. But for the power, I don't have time now. I might, if I started that, we will not finish. 
Let me just shed something in the scriptures. Let's go back to where we started. I want to show you something. A man reads the law and is sure that he has read it and understood it. And then he finds the disciples of Jesus eating corn in the cornfields, plucking corn and, you know, raising it. And then he says, Aya, these guys are eating corn and they're in the fields on Sabbath. It's not allowed. And Jesus has to tell them, hey, you didn't read? Because they thought they read, but they never read. You didn't read it? You never read it? Even the priests, the Bible says, he gave an example. Even David when he was hungry. On the Sabbath, they broke it. You understand? Now, I have another thing on people of the Sabbath, but I don't want to go there. Because some people have actually loaded Sabbath over Christ. Christ is not the Lord of Sabbath to certain people. No. Sabbath is Lord of Christ. Okay. If the Son of Man is Lord even on Sabbath, and he lives in... Anyway, that's very hard for some of you to understand. Listen, what, what does Sabbath mean? Rest. Now, when the Bible says that we which have believed have entered rest, me, I mean Sabbath every day. I'm resting every day. Are you hearing me? I don't need to make a special service to rest. I can pray on Thursday. I can pray on Monday. Every day I'm in the rest. Because I believe. I've believed. I'm a believer. The day doesn't define my rest. No. My rest is in him. Which is the Lord of that day. I don't know if you understand. I can rest on Tuesday. It's my Sabbath. I can rest on Wednesday. It's my Sabbath. It is to the man. Not to the day. It's to the man, not to the day. Not to the day. It's to the man. Some say, ah, Christmas is on another date. Yes, me there is one I know. And it celebrates. You see, Jesus Christ is revelation. I always tell people, Jesus Christ is revelation. Many people relate with the historical Jesus. Not the person of the Jesus now. They relate with the historical. They believe in the history he existed. No. There is a Christ which now is. And he seeks a relationship with you. And if he wants to talk to you on Thursday and you have to wait for Sabbath on Saturday, then you have a big problem. No, if he wants it on Monday, give him Sabbath on Monday. For as many as are led by the Sabbath. I don't want to go there. Some of you may will stone me. Praise God. Hallelujah. But you'll know men by their fruit. Praise the Lord. So anyways, he gave an example of priests. And he said, look at the priests. He said, these guys go in the temple. And then they break all the rules. You understand? Give me the message of that. Have you not ever read in God's law that the priests carrying out temple duties break Sabbath rules all the time and it's not held against them? And they don't ask themselves, what makes a priest break the laws and is blameless? What makes a priest blameless? What is that one thing that is on the priest and he can break Sabbath rules all the time and God doesn't blame him? Meaning that God dealing with this priest does not relate with him on what he does. On what he breaks and builds. He relates with him on another platform. But religion does not want to understand this. Everything you say, they'll get it out of context. Because they never want to understand. That's the spirit of religion. The Bible says they leave out the weightier issues of the law of faith and judgment. You understand? They leave out the weightier issues. They omit the weightier matters of the law, judgment, and mercy. And they leave out the weightier matters. That's the essence of religion. It leaves out what's weighty. And then it quotes one light scripture. Work out your salvation in fear and tremble. But you left out the next line. For it is God which works in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. But you see, now somebody starts to run to work out. But you see, they have left out the weightier issue. The weightier issues. The weightier issues. The weightier issues. The weightier issues. 
Now look at the situation. You answer me. Why were priests blameless when they were breaking Sabbath rules every time? And God did not hold them accountable. What was on the priest that imputed righteousness on him even when he was wrong? Do you think it was meant to advise or encourage the priest to continue breaking the rules? Did it have anything to do with advising him or not? Or it had something to do with the way God wanted to deal with certain people. Now read the scripture again. There are people who used to break the Sabbath every Sunday, but God didn't hold them blameless. And then you judge a man because you didn't honor the Sabbath. Because you have your definition of Sabbath. Your definition. Not God's definition. Your definition. So how is God going to judge those priests? And then God wants to take them to one point. That because they don't understand that obedience is better than sack, many of them have condemned the guiltless. They've condemned men who are innocent. Let me give you an example. All of us read the scriptures that since the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence. You've read, haven't you? Mark 12. Yeah. Everybody knows how to quote that scripture. From the days of John the Baptist, he says, until now, the kingdom suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. And everyone asks, what is, why violence? Why from the day of John the Baptist? What does the next verse say? For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. When John comes into the scene, he changes and appears to be bringing in line something that the prophets and the law were not saying. Now violence comes. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Violence begins in the kingdom. And I'll explain why. When John the Baptist came, what were the words he was saying? Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is nigh. He was the first guy to introduce that. Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mindset, because the realm of the spirit is coming. Change your mindset, because the realm, the word there for kingdom is realm. The realm of heaven is at hand. It has a necessity for a man's mind to change, because what is coming, it should not find you in your carnal mind. That's the beginning of violence. Why? Because when men read the law and the prophets and they relate with what is in there because they don't even understand what the law and the prophets say. When the life of the kingdom comes in the realm of God starts to manifest, many of them get contradicted and then they start to wage violence. Let me tell you, that violence is not with outsiders more than it is within. Look, when the kingdom was brought by, when John the Baptist was killed, immediately, what happened? After the death of John the Baptist, the Bible says, Jesus, the next thing Jesus said, he said, he carried on the message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at nigh. Oh, is at hand. This is Jesus. The moment John the Baptist died, bam, Jesus carried the same words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When he starts to bring the realm, who are the biggest persecutors? Who showed him the most violence? Come on, answer me. Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes. Religious people. The biggest violence in the kingdom of God is men who have read the Bible. Not men who have never read. Men who have read the Bible. They're the biggest violence in the kingdom, in the realm. You understand? But you see, it doesn't matter how much violence it is. Men have questions and they must be answered. You understand? For us, our generation is very simple. We have very simple questions, but they are complicated. You know, if you're saying he heals the sick, why isn't this living? If you're saying that he delivers, why is, why is this guy bound? 
If you're saying that you believe in this, why isn't it working in your life? We have questions that need to be answered. If you don't give that solution, it doesn't matter how much you talk, we'll still go back to drawing board and tell you, look, let's get back to the gist here. Why isn't it working in my life? For us, that's the question. We got tired of reading the Bible like it's fiction. It was like a movie. After we come out of it, we face reality in the world and we can't seem to reconcile what is in the world and what is in the Bible. You understand? If God indeed is a healer, we're not supposed to be dying that way. If God is indeed a deliverer, we're supposed to be walking in freedom. If we are the heads and not the tail like the Bible says, we are supposed to be the heads and not the tail. We simply want to take God for what he is. We cannot stand political talk anymore. You can talk politics elsewhere, but not in the church of Christ. Because however political you are, people didn't drive their cars from wherever they came to just listen to politics and go back home. Those days have come to an end. You either give us Christ or you don't talk. Let God be true and every man a liar. So the true violence of the spirit begins when the kingdom, the realm of the spirit starts to come in. Why? Because the prophets and the Lord spoke up to John. When they reached there, God cut them and said, now stop speaking. John speak. What is the message? The kingdom is coming. There's a realm coming. There's a realm coming. Change your mind. God needs to change your mind to embrace what is coming. This is not God upon man. This is God in man. This is God in man. It's not God upon man. This is God in man. He's speaking in man. He's talking in man. He's praying in man. He's seeing in man. He's working in man. You and I. For this is a mystery that was hid from the ages past. And now revealed. Christ. He knew the hope of glory. The essence is. How can I not change my mindset. If the son of God. Is coming to sit in a small body like mine and yours. How big is God? What does it take him to fit inside you? Now you're walking. you. Listen. This, the Bible says this is the mystery among Gentiles. Which is, read, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now that Christ in us, the Bible says, in him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. You see, people can assume they understand things because they know them in their heads. But you see, the reason why we don't see power in our lives is because we don't take time to really meditate for the word of God to start working in our spirits, the reality of the things we think through. Think it. In him, who the Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of God. What does the Amplified say? In him. Huh? Read it. Amplified. In him, listen, the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. Giving complete expression of the divine nature. This is in Christ. And that Jesus lives inside you. And then they tell you you have HIV and you faint. Let them fire you. You carry God. Who owns a cat on a thousand hills? Who owns the lands and the sea? Then you see a Christian also holding a placard. Government at Riambe. You don't need government. You have the government of heaven. Oh, we want him. We want him. No, 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 listen. You, our weapons are not carnal. They are mighty in Christ. They are spiritual. They cast down imaginations. They pull down strongholds. They bring all our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. That's what they are. Our weapons are not carnal. Oh, we want you. That's not you. Listen, 
You, if you need change, go to your room and say, Makayalaba. Zakatelepa. Fix yourself in your closet. Fix your marriage in your closet. Fix your finances in your closet. Fix your wife in your closet. Fix your husband in your closet. Fix your children. Fix. Fix it. Fix it. You carry Jesus. You carry Jesus. Me, I told people, corruption in Uganda is corruption in the church, period. All of this is, hey, hey, there are thieves in government. You're robbing God every day. You don't tithe. Hey, there are thieves in government. There are thieves in government. You, you rob God. There are thieves in government. You don't give fast fruit. You don't give tithe. Then you say they are thieves in government. Who is worse? The man who robs government and the man who robs God. Who is worse? Like Jesus said it. They've made the house of God into a den of thieves. It's a den. Jesus said it, not me. Den of thieves. No. It's about time church took responsibility. That's what I'm saying. Let's take responsibility. Let's take responsibility. Let's fix our nation. Let's fix everything around us. Listen, because of what I know, Uganda must grow. Because of who I am now, you put your name, Uganda must grow. Why? Because he shall not suffer. He said he's righteous to see corruption. That's what the Bible says. He will not suffer to see, he's righteous to see corruption. I told God we don't want to see corruption. Me, I don't want to see it. Don't suffer me to see it. That's enough judgment on any man who plans to steal government money without raising a, a, a placard and a post up. No. He says, for thou will not leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Corruption is going to go down. Watch this. Tell your neighbor, corruption is going to go down because God can't allow me to see it. What a nice way to see it. What a nice perspective. What a nice perspective. Certain things are not going to happen in this nation because now we've decreed we don't want to see them. You remember? We told God we don't want to see war in Uganda. We don't want to see it. Regardless of anything, we don't want to see war in our nation. We don't want to. We don't want to see our children and going back home and I'm hearing my brother was shot on the streets. We don't want to hear that in our ears. And God has heard the prayers of his people. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is well with our nation. It is well with our nation. God upholds Uganda. He upholds us. You sing it every day. May God uphold thee. We lay our future in thy hands. You understand? Praise God. All will be well. Tell your neighbor, all will be well. Tell them again, all will be well. Hallelujah. So, the kingdom started to suffer violence because the law and the prophets stopped to speak. Another voice started. It began in the wilderness. You understand? And when that voice was killed, Jesus carried on that message. That message was different from the message before. It doesn't mean that it was separate from it. It only means that a man with understanding can only be the one to connect it. 
The Old Testament is actually a revelation of the New Testament. Only to men who understand it. So that means that we disqualified. No, it only means that we have to understand how it reveals the Christ. That's it. Hallelujah. Say amen to that. Say amen to that. Now I want to go a bit deeper. So that's the essence of violence. And you ask yourself, then why is the violence? The violence is simple. There are certain people who stayed only in the law and the prophets and they refused to enter a certain place. And that is what Jesus talks about in Luke eleven forty six. Yeah? He said, Woe unto you also, you lawyers, lawyers, not you guys who do law, but lawyers. Eh? For ye laden men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. What does the next verse say? Woe unto you, for you build sepulchres, listen, of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly, you bear witness that you allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed kill them, and you build their sepulchres. In other words, they support those who kill the prophets. Okay, go back to the message. Message 46. Here from 46. He said, yes, I can be even more explicit. You're hopeless. You religious scholars. You load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but never lift even a finger to help. You understand? You're hopeless. You build tombs. Listen, for the prophets, your ancestors killed. You understand? The tombs you build are monuments to your murdering ancestors more than to the murdered prophets. Today in the church of Christ, I've seen men act more like Pharisee than Paul and Peter. I repeat, they build tombs, they build monuments of their murdering ancestors more than the murdered prophets. It's like a continued story of this violence in the kingdom and many men, you see, it's like, I'll give you an example. Let me be straightforward. Born again Christians, Balokole. When the Balokole movement came, we were one. You understand? Because the whole world was accusing us. You remember those false accusations? That men used to get girls in overnights and then they lock them up and then they say, yes, we are going to me. There were false accusations that men used to lock girls up in rooms in overnights and then they sleep with them. There was no church that was exposed to have done that, but it was a stray idea. And then they prayed and persecution lifted off. The moment it did, they also now started persecuting fellow Christians. Why don't you learn? Why don't we Christians learn? If it was possible that they were accused falsely then, isn't it possible that certain men are accused falsely now? Isn't it possible? So, isn't that building a monument of their murdering ancestors more than to the murdered prophets? Think about it. Today we live in a church where a man has been born again for 30 years. 30 years. And he reads something in a newspaper and then carries it at gospel truth. A secular newspaper. Red paper. Not Bible. Red paper. Not presence of God. Red paper. And then he stands in front of a congregation and reads it and attacks another minister. 30 years in the gospel. You understand where I'm coming from? 30 years in the gospel. And they never learned a thing. That we don't judge men we've not heard. That at the first and second admonition regard a man a heretic. You are regarding a heretic who you didn't admonish. And you think by chance the spirit of God is working on you to correct the church? Listen, God has not called us to be police over our fellow brothers. No. He has called us to preach Christ. Christ. Don't preach a ministry. You preach Christ. Don't preach about brother so and so. You preach Christ. Even members of Fanero, you should never be heard talking about other people. Don't. Let them talk. You don't. 
It's more strength to hold back when every man is saying something different about you. Some people think, listen, I was sharing my brother over the weekend and we were saying, we have ways to fight too, if we wanted to. But we remember, let this mind which was in Christ be in you also. You understand? He humbled himself even unto the cross. You understand? We're willing to move miles where men want to take us one mile. We're not stupid and foolish. No. In the end, it's true or fair. Don't be too emotional about what people think about you. No. Stay on course and preach the word. That's what you are called to do. You should never be hard or so opening mouths and adding on to other people's, hey, even me. No, 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 no. It should not be hard from somebody who comes in for narrow. It should be hard anywhere else, but not here. Our altars don't fight men. Our altars reveal Christ, period. If we began by truth, no amount of lie can break us. And this is the confidence that we have in Christ. You understand where I'm coming from? Don't be carried about by diverse doctrines and competition. Don't, 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 don't. If somebody speaks evil about you, hold your peace. Hold your peace. Do what God called you to do. Just understand it's working. For the Bible says, for any man that desires to live a godly life in Christ. Godly in Christ. Not religious in Christ. But if a man who will live godly in Christ, he shall. It's not a hope. It's a must. Suffer persecution. But how you respond to it is important. Be mature to them which are not. Somebody comes with air, you cool, cool down. Do what God called you to do. We are not learned to look like certain men. Even if they do what? We will not look like certain men. The love constraints. And thus we speak. Love constraints. This is how men know that we are the disciples of Christ. Because we love the brethren. Even those who don't deal with us. Paul said it one time. He said some preach a gospel of envy and strife. Some preach a gospel of envy and competition. I want that message version of that scripture. It is true that some here. Listen Paul. Preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. This happened. Some people think that when you expose another brother, your ministry will grow bigger. I've seen men of God who grow ministry by abusing other men of God. Even mentioning their names and their ministries. And they think that by doing that, their ministries are going to grow. He says that there are people here who preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But the others do it with the best heart in the world. Next verse. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I'm here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, they are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition. And so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. There are people like that. When you become worse, they celebrate. Do you know there are people who are dying for Apostle Christ to fall? They are dying. Every day they are praying. Let him fall. They even go on their knees and they say, let him fall. That is how I know I won't. <laughs> because God is not like that. God is not dying to see me fall. God, listen, he says, who are you to judge another man's servant? If he falls, he falls unto God. Stop, stop making people fall before you. No, 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 no. People don't fall before apostle grace. They fall before God. And if they stand, they stand before who? And yeah, the Bible says, he shall hold them up. God is able to make him stand. Achirimu, even though people want to see you fall, he is desperate to see you up. Every morning, 
He's saying, I will uphold you with my right hand. I will uphold you with my right hand. I will uphold you with my right hand. That is how I know that we can't fall. I told somebody I can't fall now. And they said, why? I couldn't explain to them, but here is the answer. Some people are dying for it. And God can't allow it. He has invested too much. <laughs> so, we're not talking about remediation. God has been too long involved with, put your name. He has too much invested to simply wash his hands off them. God has put too much in us to allow us to fall. Too much. We don't stand by our strength. So how can we fall? If in the first place we don't stand by our strength. A man who falls is a man who stands in his own strength. We don't stand by our own strength. We stand by the grace of God. The, the, the Bible says, let's go back to the story where Paul was saying. Others now that are out of the picture when they had his under arrest are merely greedy, hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition. And so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. Can you imagine there's a Christian who thinks that way? Because if you were praying for the man, you would not talk about him. You can't do two things. You can't speak evil of one who you pray for. Now, Paul says, how do I respond? This is how we respond. I've decided that I don't really care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed, so I just cheer them also on. I'm going to keep going that celebration. When they also preach, I'll say, wow, man of God, thank you for preaching. I will not be involved in battles with men. Never be involved with battles with Christians. Never. Don't fight fellow Christians. Don't. Doesn't matter how evil they are. Don't fight them. Cheer them on. Cheer them on. That's how men know we know God. That's how men know we know God. Hallelujah. Do you know what it takes to hold back when everything in you tells you also you send back fire? And then you say, no. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to be like them. I refuse to be like them. I refuse to be like Do you know what it takes? It is more strength to hold back when you can shoot back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will take care of that. God will take care of that. Hallelujah. Anyway, you realize that this violence was there. And I can tell you why. It's because men really don't understand what they read. Let me give you a scripture. I pray you never forget this. Romans chapter 7 verse 4. These are the things that ch- send chills down my spine when I read them. Romans 7 verse 4 says, Wherefore my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Hey, ye are also become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit. You see, why do we bring forth fruit? Because we are dead to the law and married to Christ. When a man is dead to the law, they don't continue to sin. No. Because they marry Christ, they bring forth fruit. What does the next verse say? You're never going to forget this. And I pray you never. For when we were in the flesh, when I read that, I was like, oh God. Do actually Christians realize that God no longer regards them in the flesh? For when we were in the flesh, now we are not. For when we were in the flesh, now we are not. Because when you are under the law, you were in the flesh. The 
This is the kingdom. This is true repentance. When a man walks out of the flesh and gets into the spirit, a spirit can't steal because they don't need a necklace. Can you last in the spirit? Can you have perversion in the spirit? Can the power of God be in the room? And then you, you, you can't. Because that seed of the spirit is incorruptible. The biggest limitation for every man is the flesh. It's what gives us food. It's why we rob. Everything on our body speaks. And the more it speaks, the weaker you become. I tell for women it's worse. Everything on you speaks. The lips tell you, color me. The eyes tell you, color me. Even me deeper. Even me, 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 me. Even the nose, even me. The ear, even me. The next says, even me. The shoulder says, even me. Then you put it back here. The hand says, even me. Even me. Even me. Even me. Even the toenails have me. Women. The hair says, even me. Then the face says, even me. that's why men are less troubled because not many things speak whether I comb my hair I'm I'm a man our biggest limitation is the flesh everything that you see that leads me and you to sin is the flesh. It's the last of the flesh. When you became born again, that was the thing he dealt with. Now, look at how God sees you. He says, when we were in the flesh, when we were, that means we're no longer in the flesh. We're in the spirit. The emotions of sin, which were by the Lord, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. You understand? Next verse. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Because any man that works in the oldness of the letter before long realizes he's still in the flesh. And by the law no flesh shall be justified. That's why the Bible says for we know that the law is not meant for a man who is spiritual. That's what the Bible says. It's not meant for the righteous. It's not meant for the spiritual men. It's not meant for righteous men. No. You understand? It's not meant for righteous people. No. It's for the unrighteous. The spirit man on you is righteous. God does not regard you in the flesh. The Bible says we regard no man in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's how we serve. We serve in the newness of that spirit. But they don't understand. That's why they condemn guiltless people. Because they know nothing of themselves in the flesh. They think that every time you're free from the flesh, they think it's a license to sin. Or they imagine that you're saying that it's okay to sin because they don't understand the freedom which is in the spirit. 
You understand? You can never explain to a carnal man the reality of living in the spirit world. Are you hearing me? Because when you're led of the spirit, the Bible says you will kill all the transactions of the body. But if you live in the flesh, you will die. Do you know why people are not delivered out of sin? It is because even the part in them which is supposed to be alive, we kill it by the scriptures. Because we don't understand it. Listen, the man in you, that which is born of God, cannot, does not commit sin. The spiritual man in you. Your flesh can, but your spirit can't. That is why it's possible for you to deliver your flesh because you have a man in you who is alive to kill the flesh. But if you kill the man in you also who is alive and the flesh is also dead, if the spirit is dead and the flesh is dead, where is your redemption? Answer me, where is your redemption if both the spirit and the body are dead? God had to leave a part of you which is alive that it would give life to what dies. That is why he says if you live by the flesh, you will surely die. But if you live, if by the spirit, he says you kill the transaction. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through, 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 through the spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. That is why many of our religious people, if you ask them that scripture, what it means for that, for no one begotten of God does commit sin. They can't explain it. It is too hard for them. How? Whosoever is born of God does not commit. Eh! Or what it means should not. No, it actually says does not. Wait a minute. Then they say, ah, they say that as long as your spirit doesn't sin, therefore your flesh can continue to sin. You understand? But you see, it's because they have impure minds. It's their problem, not us. It's not what we mean. <laughs> no. We mean that if your spirit is alive, it will kill the flesh and its transactions. But they can never get that line. <laughs> you understand? Because there's a spirit on them that kills that part when you talk it. Then it opens again the ears when you're speaking the other part. You understand? Are you with me? So Paul is saying you were in the flesh back in the day. But listen, don't even think you're in the flesh anymore. Because if you live by the flesh, you will die. Always think yourself in the spirit. If you, through the spirit, kill the deeds of the body, you shall live through the spirit. So I'm a spirit man. I think spirit. I'm spirit conscious. And because I'm spirit conscious, I'm righteous conscious. I'm not sin conscious. I don't go to God as a sinner every day. No, I go to God as a righteous one every day. That the communication of my faith might become effectual through the acknowledging, Philemon 1.6, of every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. Not every bad thing. Some people just know how to tell God stories. Oh God, I'm bad. I am a sinner. I'm a what? I'm what? I'm... No, 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 God, this is what I am. It's not what you are. Who are you? You're speaking the weakness of the flesh and you're saying it is you. And you think God is going to deliver you. That's called false humility. It's deceived and deception in its own. God can only deliver you when you start to call those things that are not as though they are. Let the weak say, I am strong. Then it starts to work. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the blind say, I can see. It's what the Lord 
has done, not shall do. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? That's the principle. Let's read the message and finish. Let's read the message, please, please, please. So my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, listen, he took that entire rule-dominated way of life down with him and left it in the tomb, leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. What does the next verse say? He says, for as long as we live the old way of life, doing whatever we feel, we could get away with sin was calling most of the shots as the old law called him that sin. And this made us all the more rebellious. In the end, all we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. But now that we're no longer shackled to that domineering mate of sin and out from under all those oppressive regulations and fine print, we are free to live a new life in the freedom of God. And what does it say? But I can hear you say, if the law code was bad as all that, it's not better than sin itself. That's certainly not true. The law code had a perfectly legitimate faction. Without its clear guidelines for right and wrong, moral behavior would be mostly guesswork. Apart from the succinct surgical command, you shall not covet. I have dressed covetness up to look like a virtue and ruin my life with it. You understand? But don't you remember how it was? I do perfectly. Well, the law code started out as an excellent piece of work. What happened though was that sin found a way to pervert the command into temptation, making a piece of forbidden fruit out of it. The law code, instead of being used to guide me, was used to seduce me. Without all the paraphernalia of the law code, sin looked pretty dull and lifeless. Where there is no law, sin becomes dull and lifeless. Where there is law, sin is strengthened. That is why look at people in churches who are every time told not to do. They do. They do. What does the KJV say? For without the law, sin was dead. So how do you kill sin? Remove the law. How do you awaken sin? Bring the law. You are alive in God. You live in the newness of the spirit. And not in the old deadness line of the letter. You're past the paraphernalia of the law. Christ now has become your law. In him you live, move and have your own being. That is why your flesh can't fail. That is why your body can't fail. Greater is he that is in you than the devil in the world. That good God in you, that communication of every good thing in you is what ought to come out. It has to be the shape of your prayer. Every morning, wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, say you are the righteousness of God. You are above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed going in, you're blessed going out. You will not fail, woman. You must get married, woman. You will have children, woman. This is who you are. Brother, you are a success. You're blessed going in. You're blessed going out. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the country. Everything you touch, it shall turn to gold. You're increasing. You're waxing great. You're confident of God. You are in every other day. The lines are falling unto you in pleasant places. You have a goodly heritage. And as the words are spoken, they start to work in your life by their own inherent power. You know the truth. And the truth sets you free. Come on, somebody speak in other tongues. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I am free. Oh, 
from the truth that you being rooted and grounded in love might be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the depth, what is the height, what is the length and what is the width of the love of God and that you might be filled with the fullness of God that Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God Father we thank you because your word works in us today and sin is far from us our flesh responds to the word of God. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Listen, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, this story is a story for Christians. I want to give you an opportunity to say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you an opportunity to pray with you. If you're here and you say, today I want to accept that Jesus. Put up your hand and we pray with you. Put up your hand. I see a hand there. Put up, I see another one there. I see another one there. Oh, hallelujah. Repeat these words after me. If you put up your hand, repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that you're both Savior and Lord of my life. That you died and rose again. Amen. I also want to pray for another category of people. If you're here and you say, hey, the Jesus I knew is different from the Jesus I'm hearing now. And, and I think I need this Jesus I'm hearing now. 
Put up your hand and I pray with you. Totia. Totia. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Put up your hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you because the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to the simple. Paul said that if they preach another Christ, a gospel that was not preached and a spirit that was not given, you bear them yourselves. But I will thank you, Lord, because the true Christ is preached and men are responding. We knew the Christ by the law, but now we are starting to understand the Christ of grace and that grace that works in us to walk out of all weakness and we walk strong in him. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.